As we continue in worship, would you please join me in the prayer for illumination? Let us pray. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and your word is proclaimed, we may hear with hope and joy what you say to us today. Amen. Our scripture today comes from Isaiah chapter 41. Hear these words. For I, the Lord your God, hold your right hand. It is I who say to you, do not fear, I will help you. Do not fear, you worm Jacob, you insect Israel. I will help you, says the Lord. Your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. The Word of God for the people of God. I just have uh, two quick points of personal privilege, you might say, and maybe some of the choir will hear me as they're leaving. Um, I am so looking forward to uh, next Sunday during the late service hearing the cantata. Um, some preachers think that they are the only means for people to hear the gospel. This preacher enjoys to hear the gospel sung as well. So I do hope that you'll make time to come. The children will be singing at both services, um, but the late service will uh, just be the cantata at the late service. Um, I also want to say, um, and I have a, an object uh, illustri illustration here. I'm so thankful for the amount of care and love and um, uh, prayers that you've given me. I, I was not in the office at all this week. Um, I had a virus that no one would name. Um, I went to the doctor, I called Teladoc. Um, all of them gave me great encouragement, which was, you don't have an infection, we can't give you an antibiotic. And oh my goodness, you're doing all the right things with the over-the-counter uh, meds. And I was like, yeah, but you could give me something stronger. I know you could, right? Anyways, so I apologize for being out of pocket, um, but as we're having communion today, I, I want you to know I'm a safe communion station for you to come and get communion from me. I'll do this again before we serve communion. So today we're talking about fear. Throughout the Lenten series, we have talked about one particular emotion and how we need to lean the opposite direction. We've talked about anxiety and how we need to lean towards trust. We've talked about anger and how we need to lean towards mercy. And we've talked about pride and how important it is for us to lean towards humility. Today we talk about fear and how important we need to lean towards freedom, or at least know that freedom is that antidote to fear if we give it an opportunity. Opportunity. I wonder what your greatest fear is. Just think for a moment, right? There are people in my family who have fears of all kinds. I am um, the registered designated bug killer in my family because neither Grace or Amy like bugs. I don't know if you have that designation at your house. I still think it's silly. I mean, it's just a bug. It's more afraid of you than you are of it, but apparently not. Um, I also have somebody in my family who doesn't like heights. Um, I shouldn't reveal who it is, um, but like, yeah, if we go to, uh, if we go on the east side of town, the Fred Hartman Bridge, you know, where you go over the ship channel, um, uh, there's a member of my family who has to close her eyes. Her name's Amy, um, and um, and we, we've got this great deal worked out, right? Like she closes her eyes as soon as she sees the bridge because just the sight of how tall it is freaks her out. Um, and then we, we encourage her to keep her eyes closed until she feels that we're at the top and then going down. And then we tell her when she's at the bottom and she opens her eyes. Um, there's been a couple of times where Grace or I have told her that we're at the bottom and we haven't been. 
we'll never do that again. <laughs> but I wonder what your greatest fear is. What, is those, what are those common fears? In fact, I've got a little bit of a display. These are uh, fears taken from Google search terms, right? How to overcome a fear of flying or clowns, right? Feel free to applaud when we get to yours um, um, or not, whichever works best, right? Uh, audience participation is always nice. I love this, fear of people. How to get over my fear of people, right? Fear of death, oh my gosh, waiting for taxes. Um, and then here's common fears. Usually this really wakes you up. Oh, there you go, thank you for playing. Thank you for playing, I love it, right? Heights, water, I always wonder, is that fear of drinking water? Uh, tunnels, needles, what about small needles? Are they fearful? Bridges, public speaking, tests, right? Um, so, so I wonder which one of those is like the thing that causes you to have sweaty palms and to break out in hives and to really be worried about what's coming next, right? You probably have one that's on there. Maybe I didn't say yours particularly, but you know that idea that, that fear is that feeling, that um, experience similar to anxiety, but different, that really induces in you this kind of feeling of a perceived threat, and that word perceived is really important, right? Sometimes fear isn't even related to what we're actually experiencing in the moment. But have you ever tried to stop having a fear experience? It's impossible, right? I remember when Grace was younger and she'd come out of the bed after having a nightmare and I, I'd say, oh, come on, don't be afraid. Oh my gosh, is that really helpful? Have you ever tried to tell a five-year-old, don't be afraid? I mean, there is a physiological uh, response related to fear. There's a part of your brain that is hardwired chemically to help you assess where there's danger, uh, okay? And so stopping that process is really hard, or, or it takes a lot of hours of therapy, whichever works best for you, right? So fear is not just emotional, but it's also physiological, uh, a piece of who you are. But today I'm not talking about a fear of bugs or a fear of heights or a fear of public speaking. Uh, did you know that, uh, you used to say that public speaking was the number one fear in America. Do you know that's no longer true? You, you believe me? It's no longer true because we have given birth to the selfie generation. I mean, th these kids are not terrified of public speaking. They're terrified when they're in front of a crowd, you won't pay attention to them. R right, laughter, there we go, thank you. So what kind of fear am I actually talking about? The kind of fear I'm talking about is that fear that holds us back from taking our next step. That fear, that experience that tells us, oh no, don't go there, there's too much risk, there's too much vulnerability, there's too much unknown, don't go there. Th this is the kind of risk when I think about a, a young, single, um, gainfully employed um, young adult who has been um, thinking about approaching the girl across the room but is just too terrified of a fear of rejection to walk across the room and talk to her. Or we're not talking about big things, no proposals, just talking. Or, or maybe it's the kind of fear that maybe your adult kids might have uh, when they know they need to talk with you about something, but they are sure that you may not be, uh, um, you, you may not approve of what they're planning to do or what they're going to uh, venture into. And so because you're such a mentor to them and you're such an authority figure, they just won't talk to you about it because they want, don't want to fear, don't, because they fear uh, your rejection and failing you. Think about the person who has gifts and talents and a dream to start a business, but never does it for a fear of what the future may hold. 
or maybe even a fear of the success that might come. There's a number of other kinds of fears, but I probably solve the last, summarize the last one by that fear that you have when you know your friend or your loved one or your uh, family member is uh, engaged in destructive activities and behaviors, and you know that you need to point it out to them, but to point it out to them would be to disrupt the peace and upset the apple cart, and your relationship may never be the same. Do you see the kind of fear that I'm talking about? It is a fear that keeps us from taking a next step, from walking into a place of growth. You know, the Bible talks about two different kinds of fears. Uh, one is, um, you often hear this on memes, that, uh, the Bi- that God has sprinkled throughout the Bible, 365 be not afraids, so that you have one for every day of the year. It's quaint, and it's close, But it's not always about be not afraid of the big scary monster. Some of those be not afraids are the first kind of afraid, which is an awe or a reverence for God. We see this in the story of the disciples and Peter when Jesus tells them to move their nets to the other side of the boat and they end up pulling in more fish than they can handle. The nets begin to break and Peter says, go away from me, Lord, for I am a man of unclean lips. I'm not worthy, right? That's that fear of the Lord, that awe and reverence. Oftentimes in the Old Testament, when an angel or a messenger of the Lord shows up to somebody in the Old Testament, the first thing they, that the person does is go completely prone and, and um, pleads to not be killed. Why? Is that because God goes around killing people? No, it's because to be in the presence of the holy may mean that we are so unworthy that we may not survive the experience. That's the kind of awe or fear of the Lord. That's that first kind of fear. We're not talking about that today. Uh, We're talking about a second kind of fear, uh, which is an unhealthy fear. It's a fear that's talked about uh, in Timothy as a spirit of fear. This is the kind of cloud that might hang over you as you are worried about what might happen. In fact, I've got a scripture passage here uh, from 2 Timothy. Um, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You gotta hear that there, that that spirit of fear um, can make us misunderstand our power or doubt the love of God or make our minds less than sound as we think about our next step. This spirit of fear uh, is talked about uh, often in the Bible, and I think you can appreciate that that's that uh, sense of doubt before uh, we want to take a step into a place of growth or a place of learning. Um, The fear response is powerful. Uh, It's important that we uh, continue to kind of remind ourselves uh, that we can overcome the spirit of fear by trusting in God and loving God completely. For example, 1 John says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. And the one who fears is not made perfect in love. This is really an important piece. Some of you have been told since you were very young that you were perfect or that you could be perfect. I want to remind you that there's only one who's perfect, and that's Jesus. And at the moment, I don't think they're taking applications for his replacement. And so relax. You don't have to be perfect. In fact, that's that fear, that fear of not being all that people expect us to be. It's a lot of weight to carry on our shoulders. 
It's a lot of difficulty to live. It's this idea that there is no fear in love. Um, if you, you should have a respect and a fear for God, but that fear should be out of awe and reverence as opposed to, is God going to squish me like a bug tomorrow because I didn't measure up? Um, want to uh, show, uh, want to go to our scripture passage for today. Uh, Isaiah 41.10 is a beautiful scripture passage. I have to be honest, it's been wonderful to listen for the last three weeks to uh, well-constructed, well-delivered sermons. In fact, this whole series was put together by Josh, um, and I think my only fear going forward um, is that I pick my scripture next time, because nothing like Isaiah 41.10, where it's, you know, Israel, you bug, uh, Jacob, you worm. It's the word of the Lord for us. Uh, Let's go, right? Um, And so because of, um, I don't know about you, but I'll I'll be uh, a little vulnerable here. Sometimes with all the education and all the experience, I come to a scripture passage and I go, huh? I don't know if today when you looked at the scripture passage, you went, huh? Uh, And so when that happens, I switch from a translation and I go to a paraphrase. It's a great thing. Paraphrases. So translations are where I read the Greek word, I write down. I read the Greek word, I write down English. I read the Greek word, I write down English. A paraphrase is I read the Greek, and then I think, huh, how would I say that in contemporary language? And then I write it down. So the message by Eugene Peterson is a wonderful modern paraphrase. I encourage you to pick up a copy of it, um, not as a replacement for your Bible, but as a study aid. And so um, because I kind of went, huh, at this one, I want to read to you Isaiah 41, 11 through 16 um, out of the message. Isaiah says, count on it. Everyone who had it in for you will end up out in the cold. Real losers. Those who worked against you will end up empty-handed, nothing to show for their lives. When you go out looking for your old adversaries, you won't find them. Not a trace of your old enemies, not even a memory. That's right, because I, your God, have a firm grip on you, and I'm not letting go. I'm telling you, don't panic. I'm right here to help you. Do you feel like a lowly worm, Jacob? Don't be afraid. Feel like a fragile insect, Israel? I'll help you. I, God, want to reassure you. The God who buys you back, the holy of Israel. I'm transforming you from worm to harrow, from insect to iron. As a sharp-toothed harrow, you'll smooth out the mountains, turn those tough old hills into loamy soil. You'll open the rough ground to the weather, to the blasts of sun and wind and rain, but you'll be confident and exuberant, expansive in the holy of Israel. Do you get a better sense out of that scripture passage what Isaiah is trying to say? Isaiah is not calling you a worm or a bug. What Isaiah is trying to say is that God is for you, not against you that God has you, that God is uh, uh, trustworthy and able to handle uh, the load of your fears. Uh, um, More particular, just because words are funny, um, this is uh, one of those verses, I, I, God, want to reassure you, the God who buys you back, the Holy of Israel, I'm transforming you from worm to harrow. Anybody know what a harrow is? Oh, nice. Well, check me and make sure. A harrow is like, um, 
it would be like the plow, like a particular plow. I often heard it uh, growing up called a disc, right? Where you disc up um, hard soil uh, so that you can open it up so that it'll accept seed and you can grow crops there, right? Harrow is the same idea. And so think about that. I'm transforming you from worm, which is the thing if it gets into your uh, uh, supply of harvest, um, foils all of it, spoils all of it, I'm transforming you from the thing that causes destruction to the thing that makes new life possible. And then you get um, in the next verse, Jake, don't go for it, but it says you can transform mountains into smooth cropland, right? I mean, think about it. If you're an agrarian, if you're a farmer in the Old Testament and you live and die by the harvest and you look out the back porch of your house and you see that mountain every day and you think, man, if I could just plant on that mountain, right? Well, the harrow in Isaiah's prophecy says God will turn you from, uh, God will turn you from a worm into a harrow, that that mountain will become fertile cropland for you. What God's trying to say here is that that God is encouraging you, that God is trustworthy, that the God who has no end and no, no beginning and no end has your back. In fact, the psalmist gets this very clearly. You can find this scattered throughout the Psalms. Psalm 56, 11, in God I trust, I will not be afraid. What can mortals do to me? Right? I, I think we need to remember that in the midst of our fears that rarely do we resent or regret walking across the room or having a conversation with a mentor or starting a new venture, that, that all those things are tiny compared to the power of God. Um, sometimes uh, we fear the future. Sometimes we fear uh, what will become of us. Some of those common fears are around that unknownness about what's to come. I find fear so fascinating because fear doesn't have to be in response to uh, a stimulus in front of you, right? It doesn't have to be a, a roaring lion who's about to get you, right? It could be the memory of when a lion almost got you, or it could be you've never been in front of a lion, but you're afraid that the possibility might happen, right? That, that fear has this strange piece of affecting us. But that fear of the future, I think, could be more powerful, or the fear of thunderstorms. Um, the fear of, um, of the future can be more powerful than the fear of a lion, right? Because the lion can just, you know, maim you, but the future can really put you out. Um, and so I want to remind you back to uh, Pastor Josh's uh, first sermon on anxiety and trust. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 10, um, consider the lilies, um, consider the birds of the air. They neither spin nor toil, but God takes care of them. He feeds them and clothes them. How much more important to you, to, to him are you than those? And, and so when we worry about the future, we have to remember not to, uh, you know, plan certainly, uh, but allow your fears to be carried by God because there's an opportunity for growth as you take a next step into the future. I also think um, it's always helpful to use Job uh, when possible. Um, you know, Job is that story of a guy who just gets the worst pull out of the cards, right? 
His friends walk away from him. You know, nobody likes him, all that kind of stuff. He is so out of it that at the end point, he has boils all over his body, and he's taking crushed glass from around him and scratching the boils because it's the only relief that he can get. This is a guy who should yell at God and say, you're not trustworthy, that you haven't carried my fears well. But what I love about Job is that sometimes we find ourselves in an environment where everything tells us it's wrong, except for our trust in God, that God's taking care of it. Job says, um, though God slay me, yet will I trust in God. I mean, let's be honest, right? Um, uh, God is uh, never late, sometimes late, but always on time, right? That sometimes the, the hardest work that God does takes three days. And consider the resurrection, right? And so even if the moment where you are looking at your fears in front of you, your fears realized, know that God's got your back and is working hard for your resurrection as well. And so I, I want to close with this idea. We started out with the kind of fear that we're talking about is the young college kid that doesn't want to walk across the room, uh, about the adult child who wants to talk to a mentor or a parent but fears judgment and rejection. And we talked about um, somebody who has a calling and a gift to uh, start a business but doesn't. I really, er, and, uh, and those times and places where we need to be a voice of reason for a family member or friend who's engaged in destructive behaviors. I really don't think that anyone regrets or resents having walked across the room or starting the business or having the conversation or having an intervention for their family or friend. I mean, we often regret or resent not doing those things. And it's true to say that I'm no business expert and that you should use good judgment when starting a business or you should use good judgment when ex, uh, uh, extending care and love to someone. And it may be true that what we hoped would happen does not happen like we thought it would, but it still doesn't discount our ability to trust in God and to know that God has our back and is um, happy to walk with us. We shouldn't feel like a worm or an insect. Uh, so I, I want to encourage you to think about fear uh, the kind of fear we're talking about, as that fear that keeps you from taking that next step. You, you see, when we lose our freedom and trust in God, we have, I'm sorry, when we lose our fear and trust in God, we begin to see our freedom, our opportunity. We begin to see our future with a hope. Now, um, I have one I've really been impressed with Josh. He's had like three steps for resolving anxiety, four steps for no longer being prideful, and it's cool, right? I have to, I have to be honest with you, I only got one step. It's, it's a one-hit wonder uh, to take care of fear. And most people say that um, what you need to conquer fear is a dream bigger than your fears. Let me say that again uh, in a different way. What you need to conquer fears is, is a calling and a purpose for your life. You see, uh, people do amazing things, right? Uh, I just heard in Sunday school about uh, uh, folk that came out of college, got married, uh, sold all their stuff, went to China to teach English through the Bible, right? They, they became missionaries. Oh my gosh, that's crazy, right? You should be terrified of making that step. 
until you realize their dream, their calling, their purpose is so big that their fears couldn't amount to it. And even when they did, they trusted that God was willing to take care of their fears. Do you see what I mean about a dream bigger than your fears? That's that one-step process. And I don't want you to get all stuck in the Hallmark card side of the dream. I'm really talking about calling and purpose. And if there's one thing here at Chapelwood that Josh and I and the staff would love to do is help you realize your calling and purpose as a disciple of Christ. Because when you have clarity around that calling and purpose, your fears just get smaller as you know who you trust and how reliable God is to be trusted. And so I, I want to join Josh. I, I have all throughout the Lenten series. Um, I've given up anxiety and uh, moved towards trust. I, I've given up pride and moved towards humility. I've given up anger and moved towards mercy. And I want to invite you uh, along uh, with Josh and I to give up this week fear, to give up the fear that robs you of your freedom, the fear that steals your joy. Be willing to take that next step and to trust God because freedom is on the other side. I hope that you'll give up fear for Lent as we journey towards Easter. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.